District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to episode 250 of District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Before I begin today's episode, I want to read some reviews we've received. We are now up to 78 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. We have one available that I will read, and I think two more came in, but Apple is selective as to what they show. This person by the name of Rue883 gave a five-star review on January 24th and said, Good people, no good people. I heard you on another podcast. I loved your content over there, but why deal with the middleman? So I have subscribed to your podcast. I like your content so far. Keep telling the truth, and I will keep following your podcast. Good people, truth-telling people need to stick together. Thank you. And if you like the podcast, what we talk about, be sure to leave reviews as well. Can't stress that enough. But today we're going to focus on some interesting topics. One is actually a really good news item, which shouldn't go under the radar. It relates to conservation funding, how much has been appropriated to the state through the Pittman-Robertson Act of 1937. And then a little bit of a nod to Valentine's Day. I'm going to discuss briefly the ATF's really creepy Valentine's Day message. Here's a rundown of those two news items. For those who wish to reimagine conservation and conservation funding, this is bad news for them, but good news for the rest of us. According to the Fish and Wildlife Service, the agency of the Department of Interior, which handles wildlife conservation, they announced in a press release dated February 11th that over $1.5 billion dollars generated in conservation funding will go to support state wildlife conservation and outdoor recreation efforts. The press release reads like this. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service today announced a record $1.5 billion in annual funding through the Wildlife and Sport Fishing Restoration Program to support state and local outdoor recreation opportunities and habitat and wildlife conservation efforts. It contains two funding sources, the Sport Fish Restoration and Boating Trust Fund, which was reauthorized as part of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and the Wildlife Restoration Program. Hunters, anglers, and sportsmen and women have some of the deepest connections to nature. For 85 years, this program has been foundational to wildlife and habitat conservation and outdoor recreation throughout the country, said Deputy Secretary Tommy Bedreau, who will highlight the historic disbursements in remarks at the Mule Deer Foundation's inaugural summit today. With the historic investments from President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law and opportunities through the Great American Outdoors Act, which was passed and signed into law by President Trump, which is what they're trying to erase, these grants will make significant progress in our work to protect our cherished wildlife treasures. The WSFR program, known as the Pittman-Robertson-Dingle-Johnson-Walla-Bro, apportions excise taxes on hunting, shooting, and fishing equipment and boat fuel to all 50 states and U.S. territories. The core value of all programs is fostering cooperative partnerships between federal and state agencies working alongside hunters, anglers, and other outdoor interests to enhance recreational opportunities while advancing sustainable resource goals. Now, this is supposed to be bipartisan, and this is great no matter who is president. And then they continue to read on that this is a priority of the Biden administration and their America the Beautiful initiative. But when you look at what environmentalists are doing to sue the opening of new wildlife lands to hunting and fishing opportunities to unsettle the obstruction to allowing delisting of gray wolves and grizzly bears. That message is really not consistently applied. They have to certainly administer this because this is a government program, but just be mindful that sometimes the messages are not consistently applied. And I'm not saying this because of my 
proclivities, politically speaking, but you will notice a disconnect between touting this program, which should be done regardless of administration, plus what they're doing. You have to see what the administration is doing even beyond just this nice flowery rhetoric. And we see this with other issues, but there's a little inconsistency there. But hey, this is great news. I support this. And and this continues to follow the pattern of more people going into the field hunting and fishing in wake of the pandemic. We saw a historic number of people picking up deer hunting, going waterfowl hunting, lots of stuff. And last year, the numbers were 1.1 billion. And we Like I said, we've seen people who want to completely undermine this funding mechanism because they say, well, hikers and bikers are not contributing and they should be contributing and they do more for conservation. But the proof is in the pudding that hunters and anglers and especially shooting sports enthusiasts and gun owners technically pay more. Now, I want to describe what an excise tax is. You guys hear all the time when discussion about Pittman-Robertson emerges about excise taxes. And the Tax Foundation, which is a nonpartisan tax authority, describes this as a good excise tax. Now, if you don't know what an excise tax for firearms is, it was established under the National Firearms Act of 1937, although they did not add archery items until 1972. Pistols and revolvers are taxed at 10% of value. Ammunition and other firearms are taxed at 11% of value. So that would mean rifles are taxed at 11%, archery items are 11%. And it's collected at manufacturer or importer level, and the allocation of receipts is regulated by Pittman-Robertson. Relating to fishing gear, obviously, is the previously discussed Dingle-Johnson Act of 1950. They rate excise tax value at 10%. It's also collected at the manufacturer level. And while a specific flat rate tax would improve the design, the rates are low enough to avoid interfering with consumer choice. That's what a lot of people have said their gripes with excise taxes in relation to hunting and fishing gear and guns is. Um, But I've told people, and that's good that this is confirming that uh, it doesn't really interfere with consumer choice. They cover everything from arrow shafts to bullets and fish tackle. And again, they mentioned that it's allocated by the Wildlife Restoration Fund and Sport Fish Restoration Fund, which is collected by the Department of Interior and thereby dispersed to the 50 states. There's actually a really interesting background as to how much is apportioned, and maybe I'll pull up that list later. But this is good news. It goes to show hunters and anglers are still, and gun owners are still the key contributors and funders of conservation efforts. And you can give this information that's readily available from the government and send it to those who don't want to see this continue, who kind of want to upend the system or reimagine conservation funding and say, well, the proof is here. And what will happen if this were to be interrupted? So you can do that. You can take this information from the Tax Foundation as well. And let's just continue to encourage more people to fish and hunt. But this was good news, no matter your politics. Of course, the Biden administration is going to bill it as a win for their agenda. It doesn't really have anything to do with their infrastructure project. All things considered, I view this separate from infrastructure in terms of their funding. This has happened regardless of funding for infrastructure. This is largely from people who pay into the system, who buy tackle, buy this, buy that. So it really doesn't really have anything to do with America the Beautiful. It's just to piggyback off of the efforts of hunters and anglers and shooting sports enthusiasts, in my opinion, because this, like I said, has happened regardless of administration. Now let's talk about this really weird kind of cryptic tweet from the... Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. And I know there's a lot of displeasure with the agency. It's not perfect. Uh, Sometimes they work against the interests of 
law-abiding gun owners. They have some issues. The guy who was supposed to lead it, thankfully, was not confirmed. David Shipman, he was very out of left field, very out of step with gun owners, and he really wanted to weaponize the agency. So that's good. He's not at the helms. They have probably someone else in his place. But the ATF has been very controversial for gun owners. I understand. I'm not sure where to fall on abolishing the agency. I'm not going to go so far to say it should be done one way or another. I don't think it's practical for this discussion. But there should be concerns about the ATF putting out messages like this. And their tweet reads, Valentine's Day can still be fun if you broke up. If you have information about a former or current partner involved in illegal gun activity, let us know and we'll make sure it's a Valentine's Day to remember. And they list a phone number, tip line, and an email. And they put this graphic that makes it look so nice and it's red and color scheme and this and that. And if they were to, if people were to truly act out on this because there are some very disgruntled people who want to scorn boyfriends, girlfriends, things that sort. I don't think it's wise to weaponize this agency to carry that out, especially if the case against a person is very weak, because it's kind of harkens back to the discussion of red flag laws. Red flag laws, even if they're well-intentioned, they are very much abused. We've seen this in Maryland. We've seen this in other states where a red flag law can be imposed on someone where the case is weak or someone has a gripe against this person and there's no accountability. You really can't have any say in your case. If you're accused of this, it's really hard to get this kind of accusation off of you in most instances. And so to me, it kind of seems like, okay, someone could be unnecessarily red flagged or maybe they could be swatted. So what are they inviting? What are they doing by accomplishing this? I think this is a distraction. It will take away from what the agency should be doing, enforcing existing gun law and not infringing on people's rights to possess and own firearms. So this is really strange, but par for the course, I think, for the Biden administration to encourage something like this, indirectly giving a nod to red flag laws. I think people are ratioing this quite heavily by the looks of it on Twitter right now as we record. This is not being well received by the general public. So interesting to see that. But yeah, certainly they are being rightfully called out for this kind of nod to trying to swat and red flag law individuals on this holiday. Very opportunistic. Thanks for listening to this installment of District of Conservation. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. Make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, our highest listening platform. And also find us on Spotify, which is also a popular choice, and wherever podcasts are played. If you ever have any questions, thoughts, concerns, go leave some reviews for us in these respective podcast players, especially Apple. And let us know what you'd like to hear or who you'd like me to interview next. We have much, much more content ahead in 2022. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.